This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast. Family. I thought you meant the things you need. What's happening, people? Happy Bet and Breakfast Sunday, the first day of May. Ben Heisler and my guy, Peter Dewey. Peter, it is you and me, not just for Bet and Breakfast today, but we'll be back again together again for the Daily Bet Slip, our new weekday show, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern. I feel like right now, like, this is the perfect time for you to be on. Your New York Yankees are streaking. Uh, Denver Broncos becoming a little bit more interesting post-NFL draft. Uh, NBA playoffs, the best bets continue to be red hot. Like everything's coming up Millhouse for you right now. Yeah, it's it's been it's been some good uh good couple weeks here, Ben. I'm, I'm feeling real good. And yesterday was weird because no NBA playoffs. So I was like, I gotta do uh something to fill the time. So I'm glad we're uh we're back with the playoffs today. Um and yeah, my Broncos was one it was weird. I said this to you before, like we had uh this is like the least I've watched an NFL draft in years because the Broncos just didn't have a pick till 64. And I was just kind of like, you know what? I don't care. Like, I was like, I will get the recap after of like what teams did. But I was like, I know where the Broncos kind of stand. Their division is going to be the toughest in football, but like, it's all right. And the Yankees are, I'll go out and say it right now. They look like the best team in the American league. They might be one of the best teams in baseball, but I mean, they're due for some regression in the pitching department, but it's like been the Achilles heel for them the last like few years where Last year it wasn't. They actually pitched fairly well. They just couldn't hit. But like all those like postseason runs, they just it was like, yeah, we have one starter. And then it was like we're gonna have to piece it together with the bullpen. That the pitching has been unbelievable. They're second in the league in team ERA. So things are looking up. I'm 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 in a good mood for sure on this Sunday. All right. Well that's that's good. And by the way, you said that uh, you had to find something to do with no NBA games going mm-hmm. on. Did you did you find an outlet? Um what what did you end up doing? I did. I went. I went golfing yesterday. Played um, uh, eighteen. It was. Fu- it was fun. It was a good time. Went with one of my buddies. We got paired up with these two guys. Some of the nicest guys I probably have ever played like golf with. When you get like random people, but I will say a little. Uh, little PSA: If you are not like a scratch golfer, do not play super slow on the golf course. Like if you're marking the ball every <laughs> single time you putt, like it's just like. I had a, I had a ten eighteen tee time yesterday, man, and we did not finish until like three thirty three forty. Like that just should not happen. There is no way. It's five 10, hours. Ten eighteen tee time. You didn't fit. Now you didn't get home. You didn't finish until three thirty three forty. Yeah, it was like over five hour round. Because I do. I take oh. my. I have like the Grint app, so I do my score on my phone, and it tells you how long like each nine takes you. 
And I'm pretty sure I remember looking down at my app when we were getting ready to tee off at the 10 and it was after one, or we were getting to tee off on the back and it was um, already after one o'clock. And I was like, this cannot be right. No. Yeah, it was wild. You're, you're not, you're not putting for millions of dollars. You don't need to yeah. crouch down, look back up, <laughs> set it up, crouch back down, maybe walk around, like ready, play golf. I, I yeah. am a terrible golfer. I, I've talked to you guys about this before. Um, right now, everything is going directly. Like I'm, I'm pulling everything, a lot of, a lot of foul balls, if you will, cause something's <laughs> happening with my wrists and I, I need to get it figured out, but best believe I will run after my ball and I, and I like mm-hmm. to walk. Um, so I'll take the cart and I'll push and I'll get a nice little brisk jog in to go track yeah. my ball that probably went like 60 yards behind me. Um, ready play golf. It, it is. Yeah. Keep it moving. And, I, and I'll tell you this too, like. A lot of times I'll play with people that are much better than I am. And I know that they appreciate the fact that even though I might be slowing them down because my shot isn't going where I'd like it to go, they at least admire the fact that, okay, he's not going to stand over his ball for five minutes. He's not going to mm-hmm. pick some grass up and, and see where it goes. He's going to keep it moving and that helps everybody. So yes, thank you for that PSA. I, yeah. I, I think this is a, a well-suited PSA um, for anybody that's playing a little bit of weekend golf, keep it moving, have fun. It's not going to be the end of the world if you don't mark every single ball. By the yeah. way, speaking of a, of a PSA, our guy Ian McMillan is weighing in, and uh, he's got a PSA for you, Peter. Yankees aren't even the best team in the American League East. Go Jays, go. So with actually being said, I, I think that's a good question for you because uh, right now over at WinBet, the Blue Jays uh, – Second highest odds to win the World Series behind only the Dodgers. Top odds in the American League East. The Yankees, you actually have to scroll back a little bit. They're still at 12 to 1 to win the uh, to win the World Series. So even with the eight games in a row, even first place in the American League East, are, are you looking at the Yankees as an actual viable option right now in the futures market? Or maybe just if they've already won this many games, the regression is coming and then you jump on them when the price is a little bit lower. Yeah. I think you make a good point about the regression. Like if they regress and the price gets even lower, I would like, I'll be honest. I placed two AL East futures before this season started. One was on the blue Jays to win the American league at uh, plus four twenty-five. kind of an emo bet by me because one, I didn't want to hear it from Ian and not have some money off of it. If it happened. And two, I was like, if the Yankees don't win, like, the, like the Blue Jays are the best the best team, I think, like on paper coming into the season, probably in the American League. So I was like, you know what? I'll do this. And if the Yankees win, I'll be happy regardless. Like I'll, I'll take the loss on the bet. Um, but I also, I do it every year. I bet the Yankees plus 950 to win the World Series before the season started. So the fact that that number has dropped and they're playing this well to start the year is very surprising to me. So they, they've had an easy part of their schedule so far. Like they played Baltimore. They're playing Kansas City this weekend. So... I guess if there's a spot is like if they start getting into the tougher part of the schedule, they lose a few games. Maybe that's when you hop in on them. But the difference with this Yankees team this year and last year is they're actually taking care of business against the bad teams. Last year, yeah. the reason they were hovering around 500, like up until the all-star break was because they could not beat the Orioles and the the Royals and the Tigers. Like they were splitting series with those teams, which you just can't do if you're going to be a, a division winner or a playoff contender. So that's a positive sign, I think, for this season compared to what we've seen in years past. Yeah, I, I think that's a really astute point. And also keep in mind, run differential, especially at this point of the season, can be a bit misleading. Case in point, I believe at the beginning of last week, 
The Chicago Cubs were third in the National League in run differential. They were at plus 21, but that came after they had a 21-0 win against yeah. the Pittsburgh Pirates. They've gone in the last week from plus 21 in, in run differential to minus two. So now it's actually starting to get back to the point where they should be. Their expected win-loss record is 10-11, and 11, but they're 8-13 and 13 on the year. Conversely, like a team like the Yankees right now, they're plus 39 in run differential. Their expected win-loss record is actually 15 and 6, where they currently stand. A team like the Blue Jays, um, which again, we I think both of us believe in the talent on this team. Oh yeah. And I'll talk about uh, you know, the the Blue Jays coming up in a little bit later on in the show during best bets. Um, but they're 89 and 89 in runs scored and runs against. Their expected win-loss record is 11 11. Um, but they're 14 and 8 on the season, and they've played fairly well. Uh, and fairly consistently, both away from home and also at the Rogers Center. So based on some of these numbers for the Yankees, yes, like the the regression rate is starting to come, but they're actually playing to where a lot of this expected win-loss record is actually dictated. So I, I think there is maybe a little bit of potential value on them right now, especially with Garrett Cole starting to figure it out. Yeah, well, that's that's the other thing. It was like they're pitching this well, and their supposed best pitcher – started the season about as poorly as you could start a season. So, like, you have him starting. Like, his last two starts have been really solid. Like, Luis Severino was, like, a wild card coming into this year. We didn't really know. He's been hurt the last three seasons. Like, you didn't really know if he was going to be able to pitch well. He's pitched well so far. Like, they've had other guys step up, and the bullpen has been really good. And the Yankees are benefiting from the expanded rosters of having more bullpen arms back there because, like, they are a team that relies heavily on their bullpen. But at the same time, when you have two extra guys to go to, so you're not going to Chad Green every day. Like, Chad Green pitched, I believe, in over 80 games last year. Like, eventually those guys are going to get burnt out. Like, that's just the way it goes. So when you have, you know, an extra arm or two, like when you're in a blowout game, you can throw somebody in. But then also, you know, you're up three runs in the sixth inning, you go to the pen. It doesn't have to be Chad Green every time. It doesn't have to be Jonathan Lewisaga every time. So I think they're benefiting from that as well. But at the same time, like, that's what the rule is this year. So it's like, hey, if that's what it's going to be, you've got to take advantage of it. No doubt about it. So we'll we'll dive into a little bit more baseball coming up in best bets. Also, two NBA games. The second round is underway. Uh, I know that Pete has had a, a couple of deep dives into Celtics and Bucks, as well as Warriors and Grizzlies. Uh, two outstanding matchups to really yeah. kick things off. Uh, on this NBA Sunday. So we'll go through both of those games. I know that Peter's got a couple of props that he really likes uh, and a few that uh, I'll probably be tailing as well. Uh, but before we go into that and also into best bets, I, I do want to take a couple minutes to just take a quick back look over the NFL draft weekend. Mm -hmm. you, you saw plenty of teams uh, be aggressive. This was one of the more fun drafts that we've seen in quite some time. Um, and I know that WinBet hasn't posted their specific odds post NFL draft. And, and by the way, one, one note here at BetSided is that we will have your, your draft grades, all your draft analysis uh, coming up over the next few days for every single team in the NFL. So if you're looking for who your team drafted, how they did as well as their updated Super Bowl odds all in one place, you'll be able to find that over at fansided.com slash betsided. But uh, was there a team in particular for you post draft where they made some some sizable advantages, where they really took advantage either of the board or some trades in the process that really started to put them in a bottom direction so that when WinBet does open up their Super Bowl odds, uh, this is a team that probably moved up substantially. Who did you like? Yeah, I have to go with the Philadelphia Eagles immediately. I think they had arguably the best draft of any team. Um, They got Jordan Davis at 13, who's just an absolute defensive monster. I mean, 
the fact that he is as quick and as agile as he is at his size is like he that's like a once in a generation type of like just like player so like he may not be the greatest player in the, defensively in this draft like i think that's probably Kayvon thibodeau but like you can't replicate what jordan davis is going to be able to bring to this team like there's just only so many people that have that size and that ability so loved getting him at 13 they kind of i everybody had mocked him to the ravens at 14 so they kind of they they kind of stole him from them and then I mean, the move of the day of the draft of the first round was the Eagles trading for A.J. Brown because they put themselves in a position. They finally got Jalen Hurts like a true number one receiver. And I like Devontae Smith, but he's not a number one, I don't think, yet. So like you now you have a number one receiver. It's going to make life easier, easier for Devontae Smith. You're going to find out if Jalen Hurts is the guy this year. Like If he's not good this year, you know. So that is a, also a good thing. And you talk about also taking advantage of the board. I know he's got some, some medical stuff, but they got N'Kobe Dean in the third round. Like, without the medical stuff, he was supposed to be, like, a top 20 pick. And so you get an elite linebacker if he stays healthy uh, as a day, late day two pick. Um, and the reason why I think, like, in the Super Bowl odds, why they're going to improve the most, like, we've talked about, too, the NFC is so weak. It is so weak. Everybody left the NFC. So, yeah, Dallas is still in the division, but the Eagles made the playoffs last year. And, like, Tampa Bay's back, but the Packers are worse. Like yeah. there's a bunch of different teams that have kind of gotten knocked down. So now like maybe the Eagles are only, they get the top wild card. Maybe they, it's not enough to push them to win the division, but like, I think they have an argument that they can win the division. Like I don't think Dallas is like a lock to win the division by any stretch of the imagination. They lost Amari Cooper. They lost Randy Gregory. I didn't love their draft to be honest with you. So like, I think the Eagles put themselves in a really, really good spot. And if that was the price for AJ Brown was 23, I believe it was, or 20 yeah. or like, I mean, how did it was, like, it was a pack- lower first round pick than where uh, Hollywood Brown went for Baltimore? Yeah. How did the Packers and the Chiefs not do that? Like, I, I think it was 18. That's what it was because that's where they took Trail on Burps. Like, how did yes. nobody, like, I get like you need, you want to like reset the contracts and everything in the but like, I mean, if that was the price for AJ Brown, I mean, th- where were the Jets? If the Jets really wanted number one, like, I was shocked by that. I thought it was a, the, a, an unbelievable move by Philly. Yeah, Philly had an outstanding draft. And, and again, taking advantage of that market at that time was a wonderful job by, by Howie Roseman. And I think I made the joke uh, earlier on on, uh, on Twitter that uh, if you if you can't draft them, uh, you know, acquire them. <laughs> because yep. that's that's what he did with, with A.J. Brown. And all of a sudden, the, the Eagles, I think, are looking right up there. If you're looking at consensus odds, by the way, uh, with regards to the Super Bowl, it's still the Cowboys uh, right around 17-1, to 18-1. to 1. Um, but the Eagles moved up substantially to a couple other books. They're now at 28 to one to win the Super Bowl. And I still think that's that's value there, considering mm-hmm. that they made some improvements on their defense. The offense is going to look drastically different this year. I think Jalen Hurts is going to take another step in the right direction, considering his comfort level there. I, I, it's hard to argue with the Eagles. I'll give you a couple other teams that I, I thought impressed me. I, the, the Ravens getting that type of value on Hollywood yeah. Brown. I know that, that Lamar Jackson is pissed. But Marquise Brown basically said in an interview, like, this system wasn't going to work for me. And the Mm -hmm. system had nothing to do with Lamar, but the system is basically predicated on Lamar's success. It is built to his strengths. Um, And the Ravens continue to just have an awesome, awesome draft. They fixed a lot of issues, uh, getting Kyle Hamilton, a guy that I know that you liked. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. the the underprop didn't hit at 12 and a half. It was at 14. But again, that's just such good value from Baltimore. Uh, you get uh, some a really nice player in Ojabo out of Michigan in the second round to, to shore up a very good linebacker group. 
Um, somebody like Daniel Falale, a massive tackle uh, over in the fourth round, I, I think was really big for them. They just handled this draft really, really well. And there's just style, there's still a lot of options. Like I'm not giving up on Baltimore, even though they've moved on from um, from Marquise Brown, because I, I buy in on Rashad Bateman. I know the yeah. first year did not go very well, but that's still a team that I, I think there is considerable value on, especially if we don't see anything out of Pittsburgh this year. I don't think Kenny Pickett versus Mitchell Trubisky is going to do anything for anyone. I think we both expect the, the Bengals to probably have a little bit of regression next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then who knows with Cleveland? Like, you'd like to think that Cleveland is going to be rip-roaring, especially now having Deshaun Watson there, but there's still some issues there, and there's still some frustrations with that secondary. We're still not entirely sure what that offense will look like. Um, I, I just – I buy Baltimore having a bit of a bounce back. And the other team, yeah. too, that I think we we probably will see slightly improved odds is Kansas City. Uh, that's another team that, that really had an excellent draft, and they basically got guys that didn't – I think the best way to put it, Peter, is like if you're doing a mock draft, if you're doing like the the pro football focus, like mock draft simulator, and a lot of people like will go with the names that they're familiar with or the guys that they think should fall to them. The the top three picks for Kansas City were all projected to go way before they got them. And they didn't have to make a ton of trades to to really make it happen. Um, Trent McDuffie, uh, they moved up to to go ahead and get him. Uh, That was a top three corner in this draft. Uh, George Karloftis out of Purdue, a guy that you absolutely need to rush the passer. That was an issue for them with Frank Clark slowing down. And then Sky Moore, boy, what a what a weapon to add to that receiver room. Nobody's going to replace Tyree Kill, but, but but think about the wide receivers now that Kansas City has. You have Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, you now have Sky Moore to be able to to go into the mix as well. Um, factor in, I, I'm like totally like blinking out on on the rest of their their wide Hard, receiver. They have Hardman. Um, yeah, Michael Hardman, Hardman is there. They they signed Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, Josh Gordon is, I believe, still on the team. If you want to see if there's anything left for <laughs> for him to do, um, but now all of a sudden you're you're a little bit more balanced, right? Mm-hmm. You can move these guys around, and there's elite speed um, with Sky Moore, Valdez Scantling, and Hartman. Three of your top four wide receivers um, can absolutely stretch the field. So I I think from an offensive standpoint, they're as dangerous as they've ever been. Yes, there's no Tyree Kill, but there's more that Mahomes can feel comfortable with, and you still have Travis Kelsey. So yeah. I, I'm not giving up anything on, on the Chiefs this year. I, I think Moore is a perfect fit in this offense. I think you make a great point about – to go back to the Ravens real quick. You make a great point about the Ravens. The Ravens got, like, the best guy available on the board. It seemed like at every pick it felt like. Every like, pick. they got Lindenbaum at 25, I believe, because after they traded back out of 23 – and he's like the number one center by far in this draft. And like Mel Kuyper was saying, like if he was a little bit taller and had a little bit longer arms, like, and he was a left tackle, he would have been like the number one offensive lineman off the board. And it's like, okay, so they got the best like interior lineman in this draft at 25. Like that's, that's a great value. And like I've said before about Kyle Hamilton, like I think he's one of the most talented guys in the draft. He just doesn't play a position that is like, as highly valued. So to get him at 14, it's like, yeah, that's, that's a great pick. That's going to be an anchor of your secondary. Um, and that you make a good point about that division. Like we don't even know if Deshaun Watson's going to play this year. Like right. he might, but he also, they could suspend him for the whole season. They could suspend him for six games. And like, that would put the Browns at a huge disadvantage, obviously, because they're, they're going to be without a quarterback and the chiefs. I was a little disappointed. The chiefs had such a good draft because that division for the Broncos is going to be real tough. And I was hoping like Kansas That's City. Right. Was, yeah. 
yeah, like I was hoping Kansas City would maybe like not get the guys I want. Like that offense is still going to be insane. So it's good. It's an arms race in that division. Like I honestly think like you could make an argument for all four of those teams to win the division. You could also make an argument for like one of like all one of all four of them just fall off a cliff because they have to play six games against the other three teams in the division. So, um, yeah, I love both those picks for for uh, great drafts for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So watch out for those odds to come out over in Winbet uh, over the next day or so. Again, we'll have analysis on the latest movement in their Super Bowl odds, uh, as well as draft grades, as well as all the picks all in one place. So uh, if you're looking to try and figure out what the rest of your division did, uh, like Peter did with the AFC West, it's all going to be available for you over at BetSided. I also want to mention something. We're going to talk about NBA playoffs and some of our favorite bets on the board coming up in just a second. But uh, there is another round of postseason action starting up on Monday, and that is the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I'm so excited that at BetSide, we're going to be doing something really fun. It is a full NHL contest for the Stanley Cup. It is the BetSided NHL bracket giveaway. All you got to do is go and follow BetSided on Twitter. You got to retweet the tweet. It's right pinned at the top, twitter.com slash BetSided. Follow us. The best score from the bracket wins. You get 300 bucks to fanatics.com, 150 to second, 50 to third. It is 100% free. You just got to enter the pool and make sure that you retweet at BetSided and follow us to be eligible. So make sure you get those picks in. Um, we're also going to potentially, uh, I, this might be the last day you see, the, see this beard uh, for a while because uh, all of us, I think, are going to be uh, going clean shaven for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then uh, the next time you'll get a chance to, to shave your beard, is when uh, somebody actually moves on in this contest and, and gets some picks right. So uh, we're we're as invested as anybody, Peter, when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Yeah, I am a little nervous for this because I do not know very much about the NHL, but I filled out my picks this morning, actually. Um, and I can't wait for Ian to tear apart what I put in for uh, the picks. But sorry, I'm sure somebody will win in the first round and allow me to shave my beard at some point. So now, hope, good. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll come through. If, if not, then uh, welcome to the team. Yeah, uh, yeah. Take, take some time, but uh, you'll you'll enjoy it and uh, you'll you'll appreciate it. Maybe maybe a little bit long term. <laughs> maybe maybe not in the short term, uh, but certainly long term. And by the way, uh, our guy Ian McMillan has done some fantastic NHL breakdowns throughout the course yeah. of the year. You can follow him at Ian Mac Bets on Twitter uh, for plenty of analysis. I know that Bacon Bets also as well on the Bet Side of Network and Fan Side of Network. I will have plenty of insights and analysis for the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. All right, so let's switch gears over into the NBA tonight. Uh, two games on the board for this afternoon. You have the Milwaukee Bucks, the number three seed over in the East against the Boston Celtics, the number two seed. Uh, that game right now, you have the Celtics minus four and a half over at WinBet, minus, 70, minus 178 on the money line. If you want to take Milwaukee in game one as a money line dog, they are plus 168 and a total right now of 217 and a half. From this initial matchup, it does feel like the right team is favored here. Although I think going into the postseason, Peter, you and I were both in agreement that you know, Milwaukee deserved to be the favorite coming out of the East. I think they were uh, plus 200 to win mm -hmm. the East for the series prices and the Eastern Conference prices at WinBet. But things have changed, and I know that they stepped up without Chris Middleton in the final three games against the Chicago Bulls and beat them fairly soundly. Granted, the Bulls didn't have Zach Levine or Alex Caruso in game five, but they had them both at home on game three and game four, got blown out in both those games. Boston, one thing that I think we need to consider here, I know their defense has been dominant 
all season long. But if you're looking at their numbers in the actual postseason, their defensive rating has slipped middle of the pack. I know they swept Brooklyn, but do we maybe need to take a step back when it comes to how we evaluate the Boston Celtics and maybe think to ourselves, I know they've been elite defensively in the regular season, but during the postseason, Brooklyn was still able to get some shots on them, and those numbers have slipped quite a bit. So the thing I found interesting in the, in the Celtics-Nets series, and I wrote about this before game four, is the Nets shot over 40%, 41% from three in each of the first three games. And Boston's defensive game plan, to their credit, it worked. They said, we're going to shut down Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. We're going to make everybody else beat us. And the Nets could not do that because they did not have nearly as good of a supporting cast to, to get that done when, you know, it was really just Bruce Brown, Seth Curry, and then, like, you had one Goran Dragic game, one Patty Mills game, one... Blake Griffin second half and like it was just they just didn't have the guys there to to beat them the difference I see from like Boston's defensive rating slipped because the Nets did they did score more points but Boston also played I think a little bit faster pace than it probably would have liked to in that series mm-hmm. because the Nets were trying to push the pace so I don't read too much into that because I think what they were trying to do with their game plan where they switch everything and make things tough on Kyrie Kevin Durant, they executed it perfectly. So yes, the defensive rating slipped, but they did what they wanted to do. What I see in this series, that's going to be different. And Chris Middleton being out, like the Celtics are rightful favorites. Chris Middleton is an important player for this team. Like them not having him is, is a major blow because it's 18 points, basically a night you're looking at that. You just have to find replace. Somebody's got to replace that. But the difference with Boston against the Bucs, against the Nets. Against the Nets, like Kevin Durant is an unbelievable scorer, but they were physical with him, and Kevin Durant is not a f- very physical dude. Like He's just a slighter build. So Jason Tatum, who's much shorter than Kevin Durant, was able to push him around a little bit and make yeah. him take tougher shots. Marcus Smart did the same thing to Kyrie Irving. It's nice when you have the defensive player of the year there. You can't do that to Giannis Antetokounmpo. And as much as, like yes, Giannis doesn't have the jump shooting ability – Boston doesn't have anybody. I'm not even going to say Boston because this isn't a knock on the stuff. There is nobody in the NBA who has somebody who can match up one-on-one on Giannis. There is nobody. He is too skilled. He's too strong. And he's got a quick first step where, like, if they put Al Horford on him for size, like, I don't see Al Horford shutting down Giannis. Like, Giannis just ran through the Bulls. And the Bulls aren't a good defensive team, but he was just running over guys and dunking the ball. Like, it was just easy, easy, easy. So, I assume the Celtics are going to try and collapse on him, double on him as much as they can. But if you do that and you're switching everything, like Boston has done this entire season, it's going to leave guys open. And the difference with Milwaukee compared to Brooklyn, and I know this is a long point, is they are going to have four guys on the floor that can shoot the ball at all times. Brooklyn was playing Nicholas Klax and Andre Drummond, who are literally not scoring outside of 10 feet. So – when you do that, if you want to double Giannis or you want to bring Robert Williams' help side when he's on, on a drive, like the kicks to Bobby Portis, the kicks to Brooke Lopez, the kicks to Grace Allen, Pat Connaughton, Drew Holiday, all of these guys are respectable shooters. Like they're not like, oh, yeah, he can make it through. Like they're going to shoot 35% from three. So if you're Boston, it's how much can we live with like leaving open shots for guys that are good shooters? versus do we just let Giannis get 30 and try and shut everybody else down? Because that's what yeah. we saw like the Warriors do against Nikola Jokic. So it's going to be an interesting series. It's going to be a chess match, I think, um, for Emi Udoka. Kind of how is he going to coach this defensively? Because if they do go all out to stop Giannis, like they're going to leave shooters open. It's just the way it works. Like there's You can't guard everybody. So it, I'm intrigued for this series, but I do think the Celtics deserve to be the favorite. 
if we're looking at it from maybe a slightly different perspective, and you can tell me sort of whether or not you think this makes sense, but over the last few postseasons, it seems like the the Bucks don't really figure it out against their opponent until a couple games in. They, they seem to be really good at mid-series adjustments. Um, you know, conversely, I, I think about Boston having the rest and then maybe a, a little, maybe being a little bit stale. But I, I still think being at home and having time to scout Milwaukee, especially now with three games without Middleton and watching what they do well without him uh, makes things a little bit interesting as well. I, I still think there's value on Milwaukee to win the series at plus 180. Mm-hmm. And if anything, because I expect Boston to win today, I don't know if they're necessarily going to get both games, but I feel like the time to strike on Milwaukee is after game one, maybe maybe even after game two, um, because I, I think you're going to get it at, at plus 200 or better to yeah. win that series. They just always seem to find the necessary adjustments. And, and with Boston, like that's a team that we really haven't seen struggle in a long time. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they're due. And again, you're right. From a defensive adjustment standpoint, yes, their their rating has slipped, but they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish against Brooklyn, which, exactly. granted, the role players don't match the same skill set um, as, as what they're going to find against Milwaukee. But what do you, do you look at this matchup and think to yourself, like, is it going to be another short series, or do you expect it to go another six, another seven? And if so, is there value betting this series a little bit later on as opposed to right now? I think this goes a minimum six games, and I, this like one, it's like a respect Giannis type of thing. Like he's he's that good, man. Like he, the dude dropped fifty in a game clinching game in the NBA Finals. Like he he is can carry this team, and it's he's just a different player than what Katie and Kyrie have done all year. But the other thing too that, and like I agree with you. I think if the Bucks lose game one, it's a good time to jump in because the price is going to shift big time, especially if they don't look good in game one. Yeah, but the other and, thing I, is, and I think that's certainly in play given the amount yeah. of time that that Brooklyn has, or excuse me, that that uh, Boston has had to rest. Yeah, and I but I think the other thing that people didn't really realize, like the Nets had deficiencies on offense, they also had extreme deficiencies on defense. They were playing Seth Curry, Kyrie Irving, Bruce Brown, and like Goran Dragic all in the game at the same time. Sometimes, like they're playing four very small guards. And like I said this to a bunch of people that I know that are Celtics fans, like down the stretch of games, they had Seth Curry guarding Jalen Brown. That is not happening in this series. It's going to be like it's going to be either Pat Connaughton or it's going to be Drew Holiday, who's a first team all defensive player in, in, in and of himself. Um, it's going to be Bobby Portis, maybe on Jason Tatum as like a little bit of a bigger body. You're going to have Giannis and help like taking the, the Bucks actually like have bodies to match up with the Celtics, bigger lineups. The Nets were just going in like, we have to beat you on offense because we literally did not have the bodies to match up with the Celtics. Right. Like the Celtics and you were like, just hoping hey. for, for, for Irving and Durant to just take it to a different level in the fourth quarter. And part of the things that killed him with other than in game one, that never happened. And exactly. it didn't happen for Durant the entire series. Exactly. And so like, I mean, I had, I had said this to Reed when we were talking about the series. I had, I had texted him. I go, dude, how are they going to match up a Boston's closing lineup? Because, like, does that mean Seth Curry doesn't play and you put Kessler Edwards in and, like, you're sacrificing a ton of offense, but you have a defense guy? And they, Steve Nash, like, did he just rolled with his guys, like, who he thought was the best lineup, which, like, you can't blame him. But, like, 
I mean, Jalen Brown's going to kill Seth Curry every time. Like if Jason Tatum, they were just hunting switches on whoever the small guard was. Like you had Bruce Brown and Jason Tatum and they just hunt the switch. That's going to be a lot harder against Milwaukee. Like if Milwaukee goes back to the starting lineup of Holiday, Allen, Portis, Giannis, Lopez, that gives them the two bigs down low to match up with Horford and Robert Williams. You probably put Drew Holiday on, on either Tatum or Brown. You put Grayson Allen on Marcus Smart, and you put either Portis. I, I assume they won't put Giannis on one of the guys because they love him in that help defense type role. You probably put mm-hmm. Portis on Tatum or, or Brown. And, like, that's a little bit of a mismatch, but at the same time, they can switch everything too if they really want to. And, like, the guy I guess you target is Grayson Allen, who's 6'5". Like, he's not 6'1". So it's it's a lot different story, I think, for this Bucks team. Like, Boston's not just going to be able to get whatever it wants in isolation. And then at the same time on the other end, like the Bucks do have like more shooting. So I think this series probably goes at least six games. I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics won in six games, but I just don't think this is going to be a cakewalk. Like the Nets were a very flawed roster. So I think there is value if you if you like the Bucs, like wait maybe game one and two if they're down 2-0, like hop in, see what happens. They went down 2-0 in the finals last year and they won four straight. So it's not impossible. Yeah. As far as bets for this game, are you looking props? Are you looking spread? Are you looking total money line? Where's your head at for this one? Yeah, so I'm going with a prop in this one because, like I said, this, like I've said in the, all of this we've talked about, like I this game, like it could go either way. This so I'm not like confident on a side, so I decided to go Bobby Portis over 13 and a half points. Um, since Middleton's come out of the lineup uh, with the injuries, cleared it in all three games against the Bulls. Boston's a different defense, but like I said. If they're going to try and take away Giannis Antetokounmpo, somebody else got to step up. This year, it's been Bobby Portis. Um, when he started this year, he's averaging 15.5 points per game, taking 12.5 shots per game. With Middleton out of the lineup, he's averaging 14.7 points per game this year. I just think he's the X factor for them in this series. Like, you're going to get what you get out of Drew Holiday. You're going to get what you get out of Giannis. But, like, if Bobby Portis plays well, the Bucks will be in games. I'm not going to say they're going to win games, but they'll be in games. I like the usage he's seen over the over the playoffs, so love him over 13 and a half today. Yeah, I, I think that's the play as well. I'll be tailing you on that as well. If I had to choose a bet either on the spread or the total, um, I, I'd probably go under 217 and a half. Again, Milwaukee's game one early series struggles have been documented. You're already talking about playing into Boston's strength, being at home. Um, there's no need for Boston to have to try to increase pace in this mm-hmm. game, Milwaukee's going to try and do that naturally, similar to that of Brooklyn. And it worked to the advantage of Boston to be able to slow things down. It frustrated the hell out of the Nets. I think it'll do the same, especially knowing that if we got Giannis is going to be double teamed inside, yes, he's going to be able to still get his, but more, you're relying on Milwaukee to make consistent jump shooting, uh, ju- consistent jump shots uh, against a team that closes out as well as anybody yeah. in Boston. So I'm you probably force leaning them into the half court. Exactly. So I, I like the under 217 and a half, but if I am making a bet, I'm probably tailing Peter uh, on Bobby Portis's on the over for, for points today. Uh, one more game to get into in the NBA, and that's the Warriors and the Grizzlies game one in Memphis today. Warriors two and a half point favorites over at WinBet. If you want to bet the Grizzlies on the money line, you can do so at plus 122, total slightly higher at 222. Um, sort of another similar situation, except this time you have a team like Golden State who had been electric in the series. They, they did slow down mm-hmm. in games four and games five. Um, in fact, it went to a snail's pace, uh, and they let Denver hang around for far too long at home. Uh, the defense was elite, but again, it, it surprised me that they never really got their offense going against Denver, who up until that point, Peter, was the worst-rated defensive rating team in the postseason. Um 
Conversely, you have the Grizzlies that got a hard-earned win in a hard-earned series. Um, yeah. Another remarkable comeback. Like It almost makes me want to just take the Warriors in the first half because of the way that the Grizzlies have been starting off so many games in the postseason. Um, but when you kind of look at this actual matchup, I, I do think it'll be a little bit more compelling um, than the Warriors' first-round matchup against Denver. Can, at the same time, the the Timberwolves and the Warriors are far different teams that if the Grizzlies find themselves down in a lot of these games, Golden State's not going to give it back every single time the way that Minnesota did. So how do you handicap this series? How do you handicap game one? I think Memphis is in trouble. I'm going to be straight up. Like the Grizzlies Timberwolves series from like a entertainment perspective was extremely fun because it was all close games. You saw a lot of big runs. It's a horribly played series. So sloppy, a ton of fouls. Um, Memphis turned the ball over 16 times a game. You do that against this Warriors team, they're going to get blown out. Like, the, the, the problem, like, we watched Minnesota blow leads, but, like, the difference was is Minnesota turned the ball over more, even more than Memphis. They fouled just as much, and they went on, like, horrible scoring droughts. That is not going to happen with a veteran Warriors team. They have way too many guys who have been there before. Like, the big thing of the Warriors dynasty is we always talked about like they just might go nuclear in the third quarter and like it'll be a two-point game and then the next thing you know you're down 20. Like that's just the way it worked. And like I don't know if they have the exact same firepower, obviously not of the Kevin Durant years, but like we saw that in the first three games against Denver where they just like threw haymaker after haymaker after haymaker and it was like, I mean, what do you do against that? So for me in this series, like I think the Warriors are – they could come back to Golden State. I will be shocked if it's not one-one going back to Golden State. Like I don't, I don't think Memphis gets two at any point um, it, at home in that this year. The, the issue I have with the Grizzlies, like you have young teams, and like you see, it, like Jaron Jackson Jr. fouled out two times in the first round. Dylan Brooks fouled out in Game Six with six minutes to go. Like there's just there's a difference between playoff basketball and regular season basketball. And the Grizzlies were fantastic during the regular season, but yeah. there are severe issues with them in the playoffs. John Morant averaged 17 points per game in the paint in the regular season. He is not getting those easy buckets anymore. He's scored under 20 points in four of the six games in that series. This is different defense. It's just a different game in the playoffs. As much as like it sounds cliche, it is. And so he's not just going to walk to layups against this Warriors defense. Like they're going to make it tough on him. And the Grizzlies, I think, match up well with the Warriors at the guard spots. But if the Warriors go to the Clay, Steph, Jordan Poole, Wiggins lineup, where the hell do you hide John Morant on defense? He's got to guard one of them. So that that is an issue, I think, as well for the Grizzlies. I took the Warriors on the money line in this game. I, I just think they're the far better team. They're rested. They have the vets. The Warriors go like 10-12 deep if they really want to. Memphis, like after you get past their first 8-9, it's like, eh. Do you really want to go here? And so, and that's like with them playing Steven Adams. I don't think they play Steven Adams at all in this series because the Warriors are going to go small the whole series. So I just, I get the Grizzlies are like the darling in the regular season, but I just do not see it. I think this is going to be a fairly quick series. You brought up Steven Adams. And again, there, there's plenty to respond to, but just so I don't forget about it. Mm -hmm. If it's going to be a small lineup most of the time, is now the ideal time? Because I, I I did this in the earlier part of the series against Denver uh, and jumped all over Brandon Clark as far as his as, as our as our guy Reed Wallach likes to call it his prize his points <laughs> rebounds and assists uh, and, and Clark was able to fill up the uh, the stat sheet uh, fairly early and fairly often especially earlier on in the series. Would you look back to him as a guy that's probably undervalued right now in the betting market, knowing that we saw a little bit more of Adams down the stretch? Yeah, I think. Uh... 
I think Brandon Clark, I, I haven't seen what his his PRA number was on for today, but I think he can have some value because even if the Warriors play their their quote unquote big lineup, it's Kevon Looney at the five. He's like six nine. Yeah. So they're like Brandon Clark is the better matchup just for like versatility wise. And he was like out rebounding Carl Anthony Towns at points in that late in that series. They won game five because Brandon Clark got like six offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. So he's definitely the better matchup. I think Steven Adams would get played off the floor. Um, like unlike Nicole Jokic, who like gives you so much out, like Steven Adams, he they'll just hunt him in pick and roll every single time. And it's just Memphis. Like it just doesn't make sense to play him. Um, but like I said, I just think the Grizzlies like shooting wise, they, they are going to need Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks. We lights out like John Moran shooting 20% from three and 39% from the field in the playoffs. Like you're just not going to get away with your best player doing that. And, Golden State can hit them with the haymaker. Like, John and Steph, like, I don't – Anthony Edwards matched Ja for a good amount of that series, but, like, John Steph is going to be, like, a wash. Probably favors the Warriors in almost every game, I think. And then, like, the the secondary guys, like, I just have way more confidence in Klay Thompson and, and Jordan Poole than Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain on every given night. So, the Warriors' number two in defensive rating during the season. Like, there's so many things. Like, this team – they're a veteran team. They blew up the Nuggets for a reason, and the Grizzlies struggled with the Wolves for a reason. I just think if they play similar basketball, they're going to be in real trouble. Yeah, I think that's just a lot to agree with there. Uh, any any plays on this side? I know that you said uh, the. You know what? Let me tease that because uh, I know that you do have a play uh, coming up a little bit later on yes. in this game. I do have a prop though that I can that is not in best bets. If you want okay. me to share that Let's one too, took John Morant under twenty five and a half points. I there know is. he. I know he's played well against the Warriors this year. I know they beat the Warriors a couple times this year, but like Clay only played in one of those games. And John, the playoffs, that's exactly what I say. Shoot 20% from three, 39% from the field. It's gone under this number in four of the six games against the Wolves. Now you're playing a better defense. Like, I just, I just don't see it. If he's not scoring in the paint, like he doesn't take a ton of mid-range jumpers where he's like knocking him down, and he's not a good three-point shooter. So if you're Golden State, it's like, as long as we don't let him get to the rim and get a layup every time, like he's not scoring 30 points in this game. I, I, I at least I don't think like they're just going to make it tough on him to get buckets in the lane. I thought the wolves did a good job of that. So unless he gets to the line a million times, I think this is a, a, a really solid prop to take. I, I'm kind of surprised it's at 25 and a half. Yeah, I, I think so too. And with Morant right now, you're looking at some of his assist totals. His assists have been way up over yeah. the course of the series. He had 11, he had a double, double last time out. 9, 15, 10, 10. He had a double-digit assist in four of the five games uh, against uh, against Minnesota in four of their last five games. Um, I, I'd probably even go under assist for him today just because the Warriors' defense, we spent so much time talking about Boston's defense, but the Warriors were right below them, second-rated defensive efficiency team uh, in the NBA this year. And so mm-hmm. I just think similar strategy. Like, Jokic had to be great, and even then they only got one game out of him. I, I think Morant is probably going to try to recognize that he needs to do as much as he can on his own. I think his shots are going to go up, but again, I don't know if they're necessarily going to fall. And even if he wants to be more of a distributor, I, I think it's still going to fall on him to have to make some of these plays. So I would probably lean on the under for assists for Morant this, uh, you know, in this afternoon's game as well at eight and a half, uh, just because I feel like that line has already continued to move up. 
eventually in the series, he's going to be able to distribute a little bit more easily. But I think Golden State's game plan is basically to lock him up and, and see what can happen with the rest of the Grizzlies. Um, Brandon Clark also keep an eye out. His odds uh, and his props have not been posted as of yet, but definitely something to keep an eye on for today. Really quick note before we get out of here, I know that you have some thoughts about Joel Embiid and uh, him being out indefinitely in this upcoming series against the Heat. They need him. I, it's probably a series I'm not touching because I don't think there's any value there until Embiid comes back. Uh, but what's your overall assessment about his health and also the upcoming matchup against Miami on Monday? Yeah, the, I mean, obviously Joel Embiid being out like this—that's horrible news for Sixers, and it sucks for like playoff basketball. We've talked about this a little bit on, on some of the, the shows. Like all these stars getting hurt. Like this is the last thing you want to see in the playoffs. Like Middleton got hurt, Booker got hurt, Embiid's hurt, Kyle Lowry's hurt. Like it's just not like it's it's not what you want. But I think for Miami. Even if Embiid comes back, the big thing I'm like, they have to get Bam Adebayo going. I think if Embiid's in the lineup, if he's out of lineup, whatever, he has to get going. He took 8.4 shots per game against the Hawks in the first five, in those five games. He averaged over 13 shots and 19 points a game in the regular season. So for him to just kind of like take a backseat, I know Jimmy Butler was playing really well, but like if Embiid's banged up, like you got to go at him a lot. Because the the Raptors did that in games four and five when he had the thumb injury. And you could see there was a couple times defensively where it was like they went at him like four or five times in a row and he wasn't exactly like going to contest shots. And I don't know if it's because he's banged up, but like there's clearly something going on there where I think like that's where Miami can really have the advantage because the Heat are kind of banged up too. Like Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry didn't play game five. So it's going to come down to like, do you trust James Harden to keep them afloat? I do not. But if you do, there is definitely value on the Sixers because if Embiid does come back by like game three and it's 1-1, like, oh, you've got a great price on the Sixers probably right now. So I just think the Embiid injury, it one, it sucks for basketball, but two, like for Miami, like they better win this series now. Yeah. If he, if he does got like, a gift. Yeah, if he only plays and if he only misses one game, maybe not as much, but like still, it, it, you're getting a fr- like a free win. Like, is Doc gonna play DeAndre Jordan? Like, I mean, the, Miami has to win this series now. It would be an ultra disappointment if they don't. So, um, yeah, I just the Embiid stuff, man. It's like I really want to see Bam Adebayo getting going because I thought he was gonna have a good series against the Hawks with Capella out, and he just was like non-existent for half the game. So I think he's a, a guy to watch, especially target and props if his number drops in in this series. All right, we also got uh, the Suns and the Mavs. We are gonna save our takes on that series for Monday's daily bet slip, which remember uh, you can tune in for every weekday, Monday through Friday at uh, 5 p.m. East Coast time. All of us change it out, but Peter and I will be back again. Uh, on Monday for the daily bed slip. So make sure you guys uh, head on over. Uh, if you're watching us on uh, on Twitter right now at BetSided, that's awesome. But the easiest way to be able to watch and join in on the conversation is by heading to YouTube. You can just search BetSided. Uh, over in YouTube, it'll take you to the live stream. It'll take you to our BetSided page. And you can subscribe there and make sure that you never miss any of our opportunities to go live answer some of your betting questions and just get in on the conversation as well. Uh, That's going to be a fascinating series that I am very, very interested in getting your perspective on, but we will save that for Monday at 5 PM. Let's dive into best bets. You are, of course, are going in the NBA. I have a major league baseball prop or not a prop for today. I have a a play on a total. Uh, So go ahead. We've been talking NBA, Peter, go ahead and kick things off. Who do you like as your best bet this Sunday? Yeah, I took the Warriors on the money line. Um, I grabbed them when they were at minus 130. 
I've I've kind of beaten this this this, uh, this dead horse uh, enough on this show, but like they're they're gonna win this game. I would be very surprised um, if they don't win it easily. Memphis just lack of rest. They got one day of rest. Like it's actually kind of wild that they played Friday and that they had this series as the Sunday one. I thought they would have pushed that one to to Monday, but um, they had one day of rest. Played way too sloppy in the first round. I think Golden State rolls. Um, you gave Steph Curry even more time after he's had that foot injury to kind of to rest up. So I love the Warriors to win today. And I at this point, like I was debating about laying the points, but I'm like, you know what? Just in case, just take it on the money line. It's it's still pretty good value. Yeah, I, I like it, especially at 130. That's a reasonable number. I've seen it at other books uh, for substantially higher than that. I don't even mind Warriors uh, against the spread at minus two and a half. I think it climbs up between you know three and a half, four. Uh, mm-hmm. That's probably not an area because I, I do think it'll be fairly close. And again, the Warriors not always covered, especially over the last couple games. So money line is a little bit of a safer play. Definitely prefer it if you can, especially if your number is closer to three and a half or four. As for me, I'm going back to uh, to Major League Baseball. Uh, happy Kevin Gosman Day. I know that uh, Ian McMillan is celebrating uh, over on the bet side of the team. That's his team. They go up against the Houston Astros today at home and a total of under seven and a half is where I like it at minus 120. Um, the best pitching matchup of the day is actually in Miami between uh, Logan Gilbert of the Mariners and Sandy Alcantara, Sandy Alcantara. But this is a really good one as well between Kevin Gosman and Framber Valdez. Gosman has been arguably the best pitcher in the American League between him and Gilbert. He leads the American League in war by 0.6 points over the next guy as far as pitchers go. Uh, he has yet to walk a batter in 24.2 innings pitched to go along with, I believe, 29 strikeouts in, in four games. He's also leading the majors in FIP, which is a fielder independent pitching. So it's crazy. Like If you look at Kevin Gosman's ERA this year, it's already uh, in the low twos, I believe. Um, but his FIP, <laughs> heading into last start, was 0.70. Oh, so man, ERA of 2.19 FIP of less than one. You, you can actually make the argument, Peter, that he's been slightly unlucky mm-hmm. um, given the fact that his number is that low. Just nobody's putting any good contact on him right now. He just continues to rack up strikeouts, uh, not missing the zone. It, when you're a pitcher and you're not missing anything, you're going to be in a great spot. And then as for, for Valdez on the other side, uh, he's kind of had like a, a good and bad sandwich. First start, last start, really solid for him. The other in the middles were, were kind of okay. Uh, but he's on the men. He had six strong innings against the Texas Rangers the last time out. And for anybody that's saying, oh, man, it's a lefty versus Vladimir Guerrero in the Blue Jays lineup, over Vlad's career, he's been far superior against right-handed pitching, not necessarily left-handed pitching. So it's actually an advantage to Valdez in that matchup in this game. Um, we've already seen the line go down to seven at other sports books. You can still get it at seven and a half over at WinBet. Uh, really like the under in this game. And then one other additional play that I'll give out for today that I really like. Um, mentioned that pitching matchup, Peter, between the Mariners and the Marlins today. Mm-hmm. Give me the under three and a half in the first five innings between Logan Gilbert and Sandy Alcantara. Or I, I keep screwing up his name. It's either Alcantara or Alcantara. You know that it's going to be a really good pitching matchup between those guys. Both of them are going consistently past five, six innings in every start. So I will back those starters as opposed to worrying about whether or not the bullpen's going to give it up and what's already a low total game to begin with. It's seven. Now move down to six and a half. Uh, under three and a half is a way that is a way that I like to be able to back the starters even more 
and not necessarily worry about any extraneous outside factors coming in. So Peter's going with Warriors money line at minus 130. I'm going with Astros Blue Jays under seven and a half over at WinBet today. And that is Benton Breakfast. Always appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, as we mentioned before, for the Daily Bet Slip, which you can catch right here on YouTube and at BetSided um, at 5 p.m. East Coast time. So for my guy, Peter Dewey, I am Ben Heisler. Always appreciate you guys hanging out with us. May all of your Sunday bets, bets hit. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. So long, everybody. 